Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode 29 of Casual Watch Talk. I was amazed we got to 25, Chris. I don't know about you, but... Uh, I don't read, yeah. Clear, clearing, clearing some hurdles. We're looking right down the nose of 30 <laughs> now. And thank you, everyone, that has subscribed recently. What's great to see is Chris and I get to see a little bit of the, the figures behind the scenes of you all listening. And it seems like each podcast we do, more and more of you are listening. So welcome to all of the new listeners. And of course, mm, yes. please head over to the Casual Watch Talk Facebook group. We're nearly at 100 members, which is pretty amazing. Nice. Yeah. And it's a, and it's a private group, so you got to ask to join, but that's okay. If you're a, if you're a real user, if you're, if you're not a robot, then you'll be able to get in and, and we'll, uh, we'd love to have you. We have a series of very difficult questions that if you don't know the answer to, you are not allowed in. R- right. Yeah. <laughs> that's not really it. <laughs> right. No, no. It's just like... What year did Adam RPK? Uh, no, no, no. Exactly. No, honestly. It's like, I think my, my uh, yeah, I think currently the standard is uh, you've been a Facebook user for longer than six months, which is good. You know, no, no super fresh bot accounts. <laughs> but yes. And uh, the, if any of the answers are Steinhardt, oh, that's an automatic right, fail. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got oh, a couple geez. of new stories and then we've got an interesting story that was emailed in to me by a viewer i love receive or chris and i love receiving all your emails and your direct messages on the facebook group and questions on there so this was an email i got just this week actually and chris and i have been talking about it so i think it would make quite a good main topic and it's basically around it was a new watch collector that emailed me asking me about advice so chris and i of course got talking about what advice would we give ourselves now being a new watch collector whoo yeah don't start <laughs> <laughs> i won't <laughs> don't start yes that's yes don't start now and maybe <laughs> yeah yeah use your, use your phone as a uh, clock <laughs> right 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 uh anyway so we think we can have a little bit of fun with that so let's kick it off with the watch obsessions so chris would you like to do the honors sure sure so i had ordered a 3D printer uh, back in November, and this is not uh, this is a watch podcast, not a 3D printer podcast. <laughs> so uh, uh, finally, it showed up during the pandemic, uh, which was good because if you want a thousand hours to work on something, definitely a new project would be. It's good to good to get a new project, new new hobby. Uh, anyway, keeping me out of trouble. And one of the things that I, uh, I started to do is I, I want to print, I want to make a NATO strap adapter for my Casio Solar. So okay. unlike, yeah, so unlike all of the other Casios that are out there that you can get those metal adapters for, these, the Casio Solars, I think it's, uh, I think the G, GW850 or GV850, I've mentioned it before. And certainly uh can be corrected on the on the facebook group but it's an integrated rubber bracelet and so the bracelet much more contact with the watch face than the the standard you know the square g-shock square yep 
And so I am attempting to build a 3D, 3D model and, and, and model it. I've printed out about, I probably have about 15 iterations now that I've printed out. I'm getting closer and closer. And then just recently I hit a snag where they actually, they made it so that you can't left hand it. They made it so that the lugs on the top are different than the lugs on the bottom. Wow, that's weird. So like, I know. So like the break, so I, you look at it and it, it looks like, okay, it's got two, like two things jutting out and, you know, I have a, it takes a spring bar and, and then it's sort of molded uh, sides and it, they look identical at first look, but it isn't until you've sat there and measured it with a micrometer for three hours and 3D modeled it that you realize that the, the top ones stick out a little further and are sort of shaped differently. And so... I was super frustrated because when you assume that they're the same, I I was running into trouble modeling it because I just assumed they were the same. And then I was like measuring one side and then printing it for that and then putting it on the other side and it wasn't working. (laughs) So then I'm like, I'm a horrible failure at 3D modeling. And it turns out it just, it's subtle differences between the top and the bottom. So that has definitely been my obsession is trying to get close enough so that I can get uh, an adapter on there and and maybe get the the G-Shock Solar the tough solar uh with uh with the rally timer in it onto a uh onto a nato or just or just the ability to take some different strap options you know ability to put a 22 or or a 20 mil you know strap on it or rubber strap on it something different question i've got about that i once ordered some 3d printed lug adapters for a g-shock range man and they broke straight away because i think at that time Mm. 3d printing the plastic was quite brittle so is this durable yeah so there's right uh it's come a long way so i'm really glad i i have been excited about 3d printing for probably five six years and i'm really glad i didn't run out and buy anything because it i'd say five years ago it was a science experiment you know where just like the technology and and how it prints and how it prints support material and and like it is five years ago it is not like a you know, a laser printer where you're like, I have this document I want to print and you hit print and magic comes out when on paper, you know, it, that's absolutely not the case. Now, today's 3D printers, 2020, summer of 2020, um, you know, they're, they're, you can get repeatable results. People are getting the same results. So, so the, the, the manufacturing has gotten better. The software has gotten better and the, the material has gotten better. So if you had it done in just PLA is is already like already is a biodegradable material, right? So like if it was exposed to the sun, it just just having it, it, it's not a super durable material that I would expect to hold on to a watch. So maybe maybe it was made out of that. There are some companies that can print in nylon, and if you can have it printed in nylon, it's n- nigh indestructible. It's like you can't break it because it's literally just as 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 durable as molded nylon part wow okay so yeah so maybe it was the um and then they have sort of in in between i have been i've been playing with um petg which is a is a polymer it's the same sort of polymer that they make water bottles out of and it's flexible durable kind of thing and so you know that they've they've come a long way like i said in in materials and and printing so this one is where it's a is this yours is like a continuous stream of plastic that comes out? It's not a resin 
like right. a laser yeah. over resin. Yeah, exactly. SLA, it's a it's a it's deposited a nozzle. It's got a nozzle that heats up the heats up the plastic and and deposits it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, awesome! You have to stick a picture over on the Facebook group. So you're, that's been your watch obsession is creating. Yeah, exactly. Them. Printing, printing many. I, I definitely I'll show a picture of all the. Uh, of all the little adapter iterations that I've got, I got a little pile of, it looks like a little pile of Legos that I've, you know, like changed one little thing and little corner and it fits a little better and I've got the pin fitting and, and the screws kind of starting to work. So I'll, I'll definitely post that up. Well, my watch obsession has been trying not to be obsessed with watches. So okay. I've been <laughs> during the lockdown. I think we joked about this last episode. Mm. I, I've just been addicted to Amazon. I've been buying watch straps like they've been going out of fashion. So this week I was like, I've got to stop. I've got to break this habit. So I have a little app that I use on my iPhone that about four and a half years ago, well, actually not quite four and a half years ago, I stopped uh, drinking. So I haven't had beer. I used to love beer and I haven't had beer in four and a half years or any alcohol really. And Mm -hmm. I have an app that kept track of it. Anyway, there's been an update to this app. And you can put other addictions in. So I put online <laughs> shopping as an addiction. And because it's because you're getting like points and stuff like that, I'm going to try and break the habit of... And, and this will probably lead into our main topic. So I've been trying to not buy watch straps. And last month I went all out. I was buying stuff for my brand oh, really? watch to yeah. replace the battery and, and things like that. So I, I needed to cool down. But in reality, what I've been obsessing about this week hasn't been a watch at all. I've been obsessed. Have you seen that new Ford Bronco? Yeah, I, yeah. I just there's something about that. Just love it. I think being British, you just <laughs> don't see those type of very over the top four wheel drives. Like I know of one right. person that had a, a pickup truck. Yeah. I think in Manchester, a, a yeah, a Dodge pickup truck. You don't see these sort of big, almost like cartoony type vehicles. But the way they've right. done that Bronco, it just looks fantastic. Yeah, that re- the retro, yeah, the retro styling is really cool. It's yeah, it's it's a cool cool looking cool looking vehicle. I don't know who started this trend. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe maybe Tesla but but others, you know, this trend of uh, now with the materials that are coming out where they can basically have a closer to what looks like a concept car reality. I mean, I feel like I feel like you know when we were kids, they would show the concept car and it'd be like the Jetson Spacemobile, and then what we got was you know a, a Dodge Dart. You know, <laughs> it was like wait, wait, wait how, how's this? How's this anything like this? But more and more, um, I'm, I'm from the car side. I'm seeing I'm seeing you know practically like Honda um, has that little electric car that they come out with. Um, oh, yeah. And if you look at the if you look at what they came out with at the show versus what is in production, it's like not not that far away i mean there's a couple of pieces of plastic difference a couple of dot things that they had to add reflectors things like that but i mean on on paper i mean just it looks it looks like the same same thing and same thing with the uh with the with the ford and isn't it funny how this love of vintage that's been driving the watch industry the last couple of years is now bleeding yeah. into cars i think it's uh not a coincidence because I think if you feel that same sort of passion with Resto Mod, where they take an older look, you know, an older shell out here that what they'll do in California for Resto Mods, they'll put um, like a modern, you know, LS engine in it with fuel injection and air conditioning and power steering and and, and disc brakes and da da. So you've got the shell, this you know, not you know, sixties, seventies muscle car, 
that of course has air conditioning and you know abs and and power brakes and all that you know and all the and control and all the amenities inside but yet uh is that is that vintage machine i you know i kind of dig that in the same way that you know i do not want to own a 1950s omega vintage watch because i'd be terrified to do anything with it i would rather own something that's that evokes that feeling but yet has seals made out of silicone and 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 new 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 watch parts new movements things like that yeah i often joke with my wife i, I love my mini club minutes not a vintage mini club minutes uh 2012 one but they, they don't do that style anymore so i joke with her that i'm gonna keep it until i can buy an electric conversion kit off amazon because it's only a matter of time it's like oh, yeah i said yeah, like five thousand yeah. dollars jeff bezos get me the electric motors i can just throw yeah, in just order order the right order the battery from a from a chevy volt uh, drop that in under the uh, under the you know they show you exactly where to cut in the trunk <laughs> and then just drop it in. Okay, well enough of a casual car talk. Although that we might That's be right. able to branch out with that. <laughs> right, <laughs> less, casual less niche. 3D printing car talk. All right. <laughs> well, let's start off by as always covering some of the news stories. Now we're going to be very grown up this week, Chris. I think the stories are quite grown up of us. Okay, but we'll uh, I'll get your view on them. First one, they're grown up, but I think they're quite interesting, actually. The first one is Richemont Group just released its sales figures. There's only a few of the big boys that we can get sales figures off because Rolex is a charitable foundation and you can't get sales figures except for in the UK because they have to release them onto company's house. But oh, uh, that's a private sort of company or charity. You can re- never really get accurate sales figures from Rolex. But Richemont Group very famously, of course, own Mont Blanc, IWC, Jaeger Lecultre, Langazon, mm-hmm. Vacheron, Panerai, of course. They released their figures year on year for Q2. They were down 56%. Richemont own other fashion brands as well, but 56% yeah. down from... And, and yeah. yeah, it's certainly COVID, but I mean, that's a hell of a whack down, isn't it, really? Yeah. I would also say, I feel like some of this is due to really no travel, too. Like a, a lot, you know, it's kind of like a... I'd say no travel. Um, I would say their inability to sort of pivot to uh internet sales yep um because they don't there there are no i mean this isn't like swatch there there are no brands here that i would expect that i could uh you know pick up on on the internet uh, other than gray market they obviously own watch finder in there as well which i thought was surprising mm-hmm. since you think that the secondhand market might have had an increase yeah interesting but uh but yeah, I feel like it's kind of a take between, you know, the fact that no one can travel. So you're not, you don't have that. Um, I, I don't know about you, but when I, I mean, I know when you go to Vegas and I, you know, when I go fancy places, I definitely like, oh yeah, I'll go check out the, the watch, the fancy watch shop downtown, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, certainly if I went anywhere in Europe, like Germany, Switzerland, UK, I mean, I, you know, I would, I would go to the shops there for sure. And it would mean more to you buying a Swiss watch in Switzerland if you could go there, wouldn't oh, it? I, oh yeah, I totally... If I if I do a trip to Germany and I happen to visit Zinn, I I am absolutely sure I will walk out of there with a watch. <laughs> that that will happen because <laughs> just one of those things, right? Yeah. So that equated in U.S. dollars to minus 
2.27 billion. That's that's a chunk. That's a chunk. That is quite a chunk. Listening to um, to folks talk about the used market and how that's popping, and internet retailers are popping right now. So I mean that I'm I'm sure that's a big part of that. All the Breitling that sold out to some of their new models, but there's Rob. This that story was from Watch Pro and Rob Corder, who's I think he might be the chief editor at Watch Pro, wrote a very interesting article on limited edition watches. I won't go into it too much now, but it's highly highly worth it. I'll put a link in the show notes. But essentially, he was saying that watches. Not only are we getting limited edition watches, but we're getting watches that are limited supply, which is more of a worrying thing. It's like the Rolex Hulk and the and the Batman and things like that. They're just limited supply models. And what he's saying is that he thinks that watch companies now after COVID will stick to more of these limited supply watches because they're tried and tested instead of doing the new tooling, creating the concept watches for the future. And in fact, it might mm. result in a fairly vanilla offerings for the next couple of years from, well, we saw it with Tudor with just the blue version of the, right, yeah. whereas yeah, Tudor yeah, the year yeah. before they tried the P01 or whatever right, it was. Which, which is, was, right, yeah. yeah. That, and that was definitely, you know, that was polarizing, but also just the operation of that bezel meant that, yeah, they had to make, they had to make different machinery uh, in order to produce that watch, for sure. Absolutely. So next grown-up story. We covered this a couple of episodes ago where we talked about how ETA was being held to account by the Swiss Competition Commission. They could own. They had to limit the number of movements that they supplied because of unfair competition. In fact, what that meant is that Salita ended up taking over as the largest third-party movement manufacturer in mm-hmm. switzerland this they sold like a thousand a million movements or something and we were certainly mm-hmm. seeing it weren't we in the micro brand sections yeah it was interesting when you brought it up because i remember i assumed and i think others assumed that it was to, that they were holding them back to drive demand yeah when in actuality it was like no we just we're we're governmentally prevented from selling this to you it was news to me that and apparently this is also news to me that i wasn't aware of is that this was a seven-year arrangement with the swiss government and that comes to an end and they've had the reins taken off them so the swiss government is now not restricting them so swatch's Mm. shares wrote swatch of course the parent company of eta Right, right. Their shares rose 12% just on that news. Now, apparently, the the Swiss government, uh, the Swiss Competition Commission, sorry, has put into place caveats around they can't flood the market with movements now. But (laughs) when's that ever stopped anyone? I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And also, uh, that's weird. Flood the market, you know, and like prove that you flood the market. That is not how, that's not how that company would function if it was in the eu or europe or the uk or definitely not in the united states no as far as like a seven-year agreement that they won't but uh it's good for us i i think um i think a lot more uh having more choice and then a lot more of these micro brands having access to eta is is great exactly and you think well okay well we won't flood the market how much is the fine and if the swiss goes like oh it's like a million swiss francs i'm like okay so we just need to make sure we make two million profit right yeah exactly yeah exactly (laughs) so uh find out what will kill us and then back it off a little bit yeah exactly exactly (laughs) this is like yeah um so it'll it's also interesting to see like if that will affect 
interesting they have a, their hand really in that. I mean, it, that's that's one of those things where, it, like I said, not it would certainly not fly here, and it would certainly not fly in in other parts of the you know free market. Yeah, you do. We do have cases of that certainly in Europe, in the UK. I know in the past that they're, they're definitely very strong monopolies uh, mm. situations certainly more so than i imagine the u.s because you only have to look at the u.s airlines that's an oligopoly isn't it where there's only really right. three or four majors that are holding all yeah. of the cards and you would yeah. you could argue that with the main watch brands as well isn't there <laughs> there's rear and rolex yeah, Richemont, they, right um Swatch. yeah but they're all combined comparison to the airlines what's interesting is the united states is kind of the only place where many multiple airline companies exist you know i mean how many how many airlines are how many airlines are flying out of the uk how many airlines are flying out of spain well yeah we do have the low-cost airlines as well so we have like Ryan, or we have like ryanair easyjet there was a few but there there's some that are short-lived as well but there was at one time quite a boom in sort of low cost you don't really get low-cost airline you get spirit over right. here but they're nowhere near as cheap as yeah you think you have multiple choices but in actuality, they're controlling the price. So you think, you know, just like these watch companies, you think like, oh, I'm getting this, you know, I'm getting this, you know, this brand that's, you know, a thousand years old and, and that is, you know, independent, whatever. And you're like, no, they're just part of a giant group. And they're controlling the manufacture and sale of, you know, 15 brands. Yeah. Don't get me started yeah. on tag again. And we better stop right. there. Yep. <laughs> okay, guys, before we dive into the main story, let's just pause for a few words from our sponsors hey everyone welcome back this is going to be quite an interesting main topic and thanks to a new subscriber to the channel and thanks for emailing me john baptiste i won't say your full name but you know who you are thank you for emailing me and also thank you for posing that question on on our uh, casual watch talk facebook group the question basically revolved around he's a new watch collector he really likes the the minimalist minimalist look of mm-hmm. Namos. Mm-hmm. Really likes the design, and then he sent me a few other brands. Now I not heard of them, but a couple of them were clearly watches that were made in Hong Kong. No, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with Chinese mm-hmm. or Hong Kong. But then they've it, mm-hmm. they had this sort of ruse of oh we're inspired by Paris and this kind of rubbish that they mm-hmm. use these fake mm-hmm. kind of fake stories. And they were clearly homages to Namos. In fact, some of them look like homages to Braun, which I actually told him to check Braun out. Mm -hmm. Because Braun has such amazing designs. And also, Johnny Ives, who was the head designer for Apple, slates Braun as a lot of the the Apple products were inspired by Braun designs. Like the original iPod was a Braun radio from the 60s or mm-hmm. something or mm-hmm. similar. And uh, so I said to him a couple of things, and I, this probably will spur, spur in our competition, but one was my view now, well, I'll kick this off. We can talk mm-hmm. about okay. how advice that we wish we'd given ourselves at the start. And this was sort of how I reply back to Jean-Baptiste. The first one was, I said to him, if you like, really like Namos, the look of it, mm-hmm. you're going to need to buy a Namos. Because yep. this is one thing that I learned was no amount of lookalike or homage mm-hmm. watches mm-hmm. is really... You think it's going to scratch the itch, but I don't think... It, I don't believe it does. What do you think? I Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I 100% agree. I think that... I think that I shopped around for a uh, titanium 
blue diver for too long and i and i should have gone out and picked myself up a a tutor pelagos because that's what i liked in the beginning and you think that it's a you think that it's like a checkbox where it's like um you know oh well it's it's got and 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 it, this works both ways so you you list off the stuff that oh well it's got sapphire and it's got a nice movement in it and it's an adhesive and it's a super value and it's you know and then it looks great and it looks similar to and you know and it's got the same specs blah, 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 blah. so in the same way that the specs are really really important to the marketing department but then don't matter when they just come out with a different color like you just don't like everything goes in the window because you're just like oh yeah i want the green one and you're just you're like it doesn't even matter because i just want the green one in that same way, you could make the list of it has exactly everything just like the watch that you really wanted, and it's just it won't hold it. It won't hold a candle to it. So. Yeah, I think a cautionary tale here is that maybe, because certainly I know when I was starting out, and, and even now, if I really liked the look of a Rolex Submariner, I, I still wouldn't buy one because I think they're extremely expensive. And there was certainly a time in my life where I liked them and I just could not afford them. So I think coming to the realization that buying a watch with a similar spec to the one you like, you're just going to have to live with the fact that it's not quite that that watch, I think. And mm-hmm. if you're happy mm-hmm. with that, then God love you. It's like when I used to drink and there's people like, oh, I'm all right. I could just have one pint of beer and, and that does me for the night and I can just go home. I'd be like, how are you, do- who, how are you doing that? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. If you really like an expensive watch, you either have to realize that if you're buying a homage to it, just you're just going to have to be happy with what it is it's not going to be quite yeah. there and the other thing as well is i think you have to realize that if you like the a lot of watches look like rolex but only rolex is rolex there's so many interesting watches that are coming out from micro brands i think that you can certainly find something that that phoebus that i reviewed i mean i'm mm-hmm. amazed that theirs are essentially unique designs and they're knocking them out at $300. It's uh, yeah. it's incredible, really. Yeah. But yeah. So that was one thing I said to him. And also I said to him in the email that one of the mistakes I made at the start was buying, was quantity of watches. I was building a collection and I got right. really excited and built it fast. So I bought Vostok's, I bought the SKX009. I suppose this could lead into another one, which is, the the trap that I fell into was painting by numbers. Oh, right. I have to have okay. the SKX. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to yep. have this. You know, watching TGV yep. one, and uh, yeah, yeah. One Speedmaster, please. One, one, uh, yeah. One Rolex, one Speedmaster, one or Omega. You know, something. And yeah, yeah. I think you have to be. I think you need when you're first starting out watch collecting, just really think about and do your research and think about what you like. Unfortunately. What's a shame with a lot of these w- micro brands and brands like Orient, which are great value for money, Seiko to a certain extent, is you can't really try them on. Like you can't try these right. micro brands on. And it really trying them on is if you try that watch on and it doesn't feel right, there's no amount of convincing. You might convince yourself for a couple of weeks, I think. Right. But yeah. after that. Yeah. One, one of the things that I had some success with is... For the different watch types, I always felt like the same thing. Your your paint by numbers description is perfect. Like the you know to get one chronograph, one diver, one you know three hander, one dress watch. I think one of the things that I did that was successful that I might suggest here, if if you feel 
that you're sort of after that is get a $100, $150 chronograph, you know, quartz chronograph that's on your wrist and try that. Sort of had that experience of like, am I a, am I a chronograph guy? Am I a Speedmaster guy? Am I, you know, is this something that I want to want to have on my wrist and sort of want, you know, want to save up for that kind of thing. In that way, I think, okay. And, th- and there will still be people that argue like, well, you know, you could have saved yourself, you know, $300 or whatever uh, for that, for that watch. But, but sometimes, you know, I'm very much with the stuff I do, whether it's a hobby or a, any sort of experience, I'm very much a, just, you gotta go try it. You gotta, you gotta go do it. And see if you like it, because like if you if you think, oh, I really like the look of the Speedmaster, I'm gonna wear it. If you can't go pick that up, or you're not sure that that would be the thing for you, then I think then I think trying stuff is okay, you know, in in that case. But uh, but when you get past when you start getting into you know like thousand dollar you know homages, you know mechanical homage, a thousand dollar mechanical homage of a Speedmaster. When you just want, when you really just want a speedmaster, you should just save your money. The other thing as well, which I think, when you start out, is educate yourself as much as possible because not always spending more money is getting an exponentially better watch. I've realised this probably in the mm. last six months or whatever that sometimes mm-hmm. value is value is the key isn't it instead mm-hmm. of oh i'm going to spend ten thousand dollars on this watch because it's because i think i'm getting a ten thousand times better watch than another one is not necessarily always the truth so do your research i think that they're right i i i agree i mean we've we both have talked about the fact that i i think that we're value value watch buyers and we we sort of live in that in that world and and to know if there's something i had to tell myself if we go back in time and tell myself it would it would be something related to that with the with the value with the price level of watches because i definitely can remember getting into it and being like five hundred dollars for this hamilton Whew, i got a i got a fancy switch watch yeah. on my wrist and now you know my brother was talking about uh picking up a like a uh, like a garmin swap smartwatch uh, and he's like yeah it's a little you know it's a little pricey and it was seven hundred dollars and I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I looked down at my wrist and I'm like, all right, what, $700? You know, like, it was, so, and, and sort of the, like, the sky's the limit there, just like luxury, anything, just like wine, just like uh, art. I mean, the just, it, it goes, <laughs> it goes exponential there. And can you, can you say like, oh, well, this is, this is worth, you know, 50,000 times better because it's, you know, this much more money. Well, you're, you know, lots of stuff that goes into that. And I'm going to say a controversial one here, but this is also quite funny, is if you're wearing a watch brand that is uncommon, the only people that are going to ask you about that watch brand is watch geek like us. Yep, yep, <laughs> that's absolutely, yep, yep. I think, I don't know if we admitted it on the show, but I'll, I'll, I will admit, I will admit it on the show if I didn't do this already, but I definitely have a watch that I will, that I love because 
everybody loves it on Instagram. And when I wear it to watch uh, Hangouts, it, it gets lots of love. And it's one of those things where it's part of the hobby, part of, you know, part of me, part of the, the discovery of this, uh, you know, so there's, there, there definitely is that. And, and would I have picked one of these up, uh, you know, beforehand? Probably not. But it's only after, you know, after being in the hobby for a while. So Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing I would say, one for me is, don't be afraid of selling watches that you don't like, even if you're going to take a hit on them. For me, I would rather sell it on to a good home or know that I have tried it, I liked it mm-hmm. for a bit, I fell out of love with it, it wasn't quite for me. Each watch is a learning experience, and mm-hmm. I think you don't have to be afraid of letting them go, I, I yeah. would say. Yeah, I think that goes along with my sort of you have to try it. You know, yeah. I, I think that there's a and and recognize when you know if you're a person that's um, obsessive with the hunt or with checking off the boxes. If you're obsessive about that, then you know you're going to have a problem with this. So s- sort of set your expectations. Like, can this be the watch? You know, this is. Can I be happy with this? Am I going to enjoy this? And and also, you know, try you know in my try new things. You know, go out and try new stuff. So I guess yeah, there's probably a gray. It's probably a gray area that I don't know if I could describe to myself, my past self, of serial flipping versus I just enjoy trying. You know, I tried I tried this and I I tried that and I, <laughs> and then next thing you know, like yeah, I'm a you know massive eBay seller. <laughs> it's funny. I started watching tgv again i kind of go up and down with his views i mean there's no doubt about it his content is just so well made you can't just help but be in awe of it i i'll i'll stop you for a quick second i did as well i think now that he is doing his own thing again uh, i really enjoy that background information that's what really got me interested in his channel when he first came out is like that i learn about the brand i learn about the history the connection to it it's great exactly and the, he did his war room uh, war room update he does each year and you can tell that he's definitely got some compulsive hoarding tendencies i would say i'm probably <laughs> going to get a lot of trouble with tgv fans and, T- and tristan if you're listening i'm sorry that i'm not medical diagnosis but he said something that made me think it made me think about my own collection but he said oh well more or less along the lines of he stopped selling watches now he just kind of hides them away in a safe and then then when he gets them back, it's like having a new watch collection. So he never lusts oh. after new watches. But he does. You can tell that he still does. And I'm like, yeah. dude, you're yeah. in deep. You're in a lot yep. deeper than this is probably the most yep. valuable lesson that TGV has taught me. Right. Is right. He, I think he's in too deep. And I just, if this is, goes back to my point is if you've got, a, if you are happy with a lot of watches, then God love you. I mean, we know. I know people who've got very specialist collections like Todd, mm-hmm. who's, a, who's a big friend of the show, who collects Seiko chronographs, and it's the mm-hmm. art of the hunt, and then he does restore these afterwards. But I, I don't... If you have a collection of a thousand, you know, uh, 
lower end watches because you just started out one in quantity uh, all right. of mine are, all of my points are coming around to the same thing anyway essentially don't be afraid to sell them as you go along because at the end of the day just think about the ones that you're wearing the ones that you you love because i certainly have done that i've bought and sold hundreds probably of watches now even in the last couple of years and or, or I've given them away some of the watches that I get mm-hmm. sent in as well because I've I've liked them, but I knew that somebody else would like it more, basically. Yeah, yeah. And you, and, you know, I, I will say it's it's been interesting talking to you, Sam, because you have that, um, not problem, but that same uh, potential where, I mean, you, you run a YouTube channel where you review watches, and so you need content. Mm. And so there's definitely times where where I see you sort of fighting that, like, that internal, do I buy a new watch struggle, you know, along with the fact that like, well, I want to have, you know, I want to have something to talk about, or I want to show people stuff, you know, like, this is the new watch we're talking about, things like that. Um, You know, interesting, interesting content, you know, and so, uh, yeah, I I agree. The, um, the, the quick, quick, how quickly you build a collection is not, no one's gonna, that's not, that's not, that's not a checkbox, you know, you can take your time. You can take your time. Yeah, exactly. And, and these are totally probably anybody's listening to this who's got a big collection and loves it then congratulations to you no, it's, Otherwise, it's just yeah. um it's just the way and, that and also think. not us and yeah let me say not not for us to say what a big collection yes is. exactly exactly i mean last last uh last podcast I, my watch obsession was was talking about sort of my three watch you know see if i could get it down and honestly i we kind of talked about it on the facebook group which was I think now I am okay with I have watches that I collect and then I have I have a couple of watches that I wear every yeah. day. You know, and, and sort of broken for the love of uh horology and for, you know, the fun of it and, and, and having these interesting mechanical devices that, you know, bring uh joy. Uh okay, there's you know, there's that there's that checkbox and there's that box of watches. Um and then there's the you know, I I need it to function. You know, every day, and I need. You know, it's got to be. I'm I'm using it as a tool, and sort of separated that out. And I think I'm okay. And I I'll be honest. I did the same. I did the same thing. This like watch safe thing. Like I've got my, uh, I've got a, uh, a case with with eight, and I popped eight watches in there and put it away. And so they're not in my. They're not next to my dresser. I I don't see them every day. And maybe I'll have that sort of same experience where I'm like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, yeah, it's probably it's probably actually a good way of doing it. Maybe maybe I should do it as well. And there there is there's so much cool watches across all price ranges. I think the more if you spend a lot, the more you spend on a watch does not necessarily mean that you're going to love it more than <laughs> right. a lower end, right? A lower end yeah. watch. But I don't know. Can you think of any more, Chris, that you would advise you'd give yourself looking back? I think well we talked about we talked about budget we talked about the collection itself um I would say about YouTube YouTubers as well is I like certain things in watches and I'm trying to end my reviews with just basically saying this is my view and you know take it or leave it type of thing because I do genuinely mean that that mm-hmm. there's certain things that I like in watches like the date for example I love seeing mm-hmm, the date right. on a watch so right, I would watch right. multiple different reviews of the same watch I would encourage you to instead of one particular yeah. YouTuber yeah yeah and I found uh, on that same vein I found 
Uh, there are certain there are certain you know reviewers that not necessarily like a paid review, but like they'll they'll generally have sort of this ultimate positive about everything. And I almost look for you know either give me a balance of like what you like, what you don't like, but I, you know I want to hear I want to hear what you don't like and and then judge it for myself. You know I'm fine with no date. You know, a note, give me a no date diver. Totally fine. You know, but that would bug you. But there's just the fact that you would say like, well, this isn't for me. And then I can just, okay. Then I, I sort of feel like it's a, it's a more balanced uh, review because I know what, what you sort of feel about it yeah. and, and kind of go, go from there. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, on, on the whole, um, yeah, I, I would go with sort of your first advice, which was save up save up for the for the nomos if you think you want if you think you want that save up for that um and and get that up those are not uh those are not high priced they're reasonably priced this is actually another good one as well is i would say with a caveat don't be afraid to buy pre-owned luxury watches but do be afraid of buying vintage watches or not be afraid, but be wary of buying vintage wary. watches yeah. of watches that have gone up in value that weren't necessarily luxury. To know, I'm, I'm going I'm to say this. Well, some of the the lower end watches that have now become popular, they can be a bit mm-hmm. of a minefield on eBay. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't be scared like Chrono Twenty Four of buying a luxury watch. In fact, I would encourage people to buy a pre owned watch. Uh, yeah. If you're looking for yeah. a watch that was, you know, made in the last, you know, 20 years mm-hmm. or something. Yep. Yep. I think I've mentioned it and um yeah, uh, two, yeah, my two pieces of advice there are I had success with purchasing pre-owned and and getting a amazing watch for the for the money. Um and I also had the experience of purchasing a brand new watch at an authorized dealer. And it is it is an experience, and and I mean to be enjoyed. And it was for a uh, uh, you know for for celebrating something. Um, and it's perfectly okay if if you know you just say okay, well I I want to celebrate this milestone. That's totally fine. And if the milestone is a, it happens to be a, a Saturday afternoon, that's fine too. <laughs> I've just thought of two more actually. These are just the, this has come flooding out at me. It's like the ghosts of Christmas past. First right. one is Stephen on the Facebook group is going to be shouting his his probably podcasting app now available on all your popular popular podcasting uh, apps that if you are going to buy a vintage watch make sure that you don't get carried away with the aesthetics of the watch itself make sure that it has a movement in it that can still be easily serviced like ETA would be a classic example of this because some yes. vintage watches are almost impossible to get serviced so do your research there mm-hmm. um and then the other one that i was thinking of that would kind of tell myself in retrospect was the other thing i was going to say and I've just got a newfound love for this, is you are going to not like quartz watches for a bit, and then you're going to really <laughs> like them, I think. Right. I don't know what you think about that. I, yeah, I've, yeah. The, the, yes, you will have a fall. Right, right. Go th- allow, the, allow the snobbery to flow over for a little bit, and then, and then you'll be like, listen, I just, I just want 
something <laughs> reach reach into the watch box and have something that's on yeah yeah i've certainly found that recently i've had a, a newfound love of quartz i suppose with us being in there uh, in the quarantine orders as well just having that sort of grab and go quartz as well i also said a few little cheeky ones to uh John Baptiste as well, I said, you're going to find out a couple of facts that I did, that Citizen probably make the best Quartz watches. Seiko watches mm-hmm. are good, but not as good as everyone mm-hmm. makes out that they are. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. The, the one that I said at the start is, if you really like Rolex, oftentimes only a Rolex will do. Having said right. that, they're horrendously expensive, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily. Yeah. Uh, if you don't, oh, and the final point, Chris, is I've got to say this is please don't ever buy a watch on credit. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Yep, yep, yeah. We've said that a bunch, and just yeah, to hit that home, it has to be for me. It's got to be play money. It's got to be stuff that's like that's just that I so. I've heard I've heard a couple of YouTubers uh, with this the same advice. Um, so you have all your bills paid, you have your car payment paid, you got gas in your car, you got the lights on, you got food on the table, you got ten percent of your income into a savings account for a, for a retirement. Okay, now, now we'll talk about the <laughs> two hundred two hundred fifty bucks you got left to to maybe spend on a watch or to save for a watch. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, guys, let us know over on the Facebook group what you think of our tips, if you've got any yourself. Chris, any final words before we wrap up here? Uh, no, just I I would say final word, um, have fun with it. Don't take it too seriously. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of folks that definitely can take this and any hobby way too seriously. I, I, I would hope that it seems like we don't. And so you can have fun with it. Wear what you, wear what you like. Uh, enjoy it. And uh, and definitely enjoy uh, you know sharing sharing your experience and your pictures and things with with us at the over at the Facebook group. Absolutely, as always, guys, really appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>